Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about animation, TV, movies, comics, and more. We're reviewing the first three episodes of Gendy Tartakovsky's latest animated series, Unicorn Warriors Eternal. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. And I'm Clifton. All right, listeners, this is your spoiler alert. We're going deep into here. So uh, if you don't care about spoilers or that sort of thing, by all means, carry on with this episode. (laughs) But if you do care and you haven't seen the first three episodes, pause here and check them out. We'll be here when you get back. Unicorn Warriors Eternal airs midnight, 12 a.m. Thursday nights, Friday morning (laughs) on Adult Swim and next day availability on HBO Max or just Max, I suppose. Uh, the first episode can also be found for free on Adult Swim's YouTube as well. So, Clifton, I'm going to toss it to you if you want to read really quick the premise that Warner Discovery released before the episodes came out. All right. Unicorn Warriors Eternal, an evil force is looming across the dark, thick-aired streets of Industrial Revolution London when a group of heroes dubbed Unicorn are accidentally awakened in the bodies of teenagers instead of adult hosts they've embodied in the past. Melinda, a powerful sorceress, Sang, a cosmic monk, and Edrin, a warrior elf. With distorted memories and their magical abilities weakened and fragmented, the trio must work together with help from their steam-powered robot, Copernicus, to unravel the mysteries of their pasts and present that will reveal their path to defeating a timeless threat. All right, cool. So um, so we're going to do the first three episodes here. So when it premiered, they ran the first two uh, at, like at once, uh, and then it's aired one other episode since at the time of this recording. Um, so I will go ahead and I'll do a synopsis of the first episode. Um, first episode titled Awakening Part One. It opens with Sang, uh, the monk character floating in the magic realm. Uh, Sang sees like a greenish fire dragon emerge and he says, I found it. Uh, we then cut to ancient Egypt where the warriors are all fighting said dragon. They defeat it, but Melinda gets wounded. Uh, then Merlin the magician arrives through a portal and brings Copernicus the steampunk robot with him. And Merlin says that they've defeated the evil, but it's going to one day return. And so the warrior souls must also return as well. So Copernicus, who's from the 19th century future, will reawaken their spirits when the time comes they are needed. Uh, And then they see a unicorn in the distance and Merlin takes it as a good omen that the magical realms are on their side. Uh, Then we see a montage of all the spirits being reawakened, uh, different warriors throughout the ages. And then we finally land in London, 1890, which is when the show, at least so far, takes place. Um, Copernicus is awakened by some grave diggers. Uh, We don't know why Copernicus is in a grave or for how long. But in any event, these grave diggers uh, turn out they're also robots and they're trying to destroy Copernicus. And so he fights him off and then he flies off and finds Emma, who's a blonde teenager on the day of her wedding. And then Copernicus interrupts the wedding and casts a spell that transforms Emma into Melinda. And immediately like, her memory is like kind of wonky and, and um, it's kind of wonky as far as like who she was prior to the transformation and who she is now. It's a little like like muddled. So she leaves. Copernicus follows. And he's trying to remind Melinda now of who she is and the mission. And the episode ends with Melinda and Copernicus riding off into the fog to find Sang and Edred. Let's. Broadly, the first episode. Okay. So, um, as I'll, I'll kick us off, and then you guys can jump in with, with your thoughts. Like, as is with all Gendy Tartakovsky things, I mean, the thing that hits me a lot with this is mood. Mm-hmm. 
It's very, very moody. Um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, like slow action and people like doing a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, not silent bits, but you know, like, like no talking bits where you're seeing characters like kind of like manipulating things and doing things and building a lot of tension. Which a lot is, of business, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what'd you guys think? I think it does a really good job of like getting you into what the meat of it's about, like from the beginning. I thought there was a nice bit of um, setup, you know, at a moment where I'm like, wait a minute, is this going on? I wasn't sure exactly when it, you know, when when you're watching it, I was a little had a momentary like, oh, oh, this is happening now and this happened before, and therefore, because I didn't know anything about the premise before I went into it, other than the one image that I saw. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went into it blind, and then it was like, all right, I'll, I, you know, I'll pick it up as I go. Okay. But I think I think it does a really good job of like putting you in quickly to what what exactly is going on, and then the nods to who might have been, you know, these eternal warriors before, like the Joan of Arc bit. I thought was nice. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think the the sort of the transformation stuff is all really cool. That montage I really dug, mm-hmm. where you saw like uh, like like a Viking get transformed into one of the warriors and then and then there's like oh man i don't know like a knight mm-hmm. right. <laughs> somewhere and then there's like there's like a like a native american in there mm-hmm. and it's just kind of neat how like i like the character design aspect of it where they it was it was the one character you saw like the viking but then you saw that character get like uh, um like a mashup Mm-hmm. of of like edred or something like that you know where, where you saw like the blue skin or the white hair like every character had kind of like like these anchors that they mm-hmm. assigned to all the other versions right like the you orange know? like the orange and red eyes like the gradient eyes and the saying character yeah mm-hmm. there was a lot of information for sure and i hadn't read the synopsis before either i went in completely blind having only seen like a poster image and i guess like the 30 second i guess i did see the 30 second teaser at one point i think Mm -hmm. but that didn't give away much of plot it just showed you know kind of the setting and 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 vibe of it all i definitely didn't know where it was going to go that fast where we jump from you know over like a thousand years i guess Eh, maybe more (laughs) in Mm, that first like opening scene where we see all these different versions of them. Cause yeah, I didn't know like the reincarnation bit was going to be a thing. And, and that is like the thrust of it. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as we can tell from what we've seen in these episodes. Yeah. It was a lot of information at first. It was a lot. Yeah. It is a lot of information while also being like very lean mm-hmm. at the same time, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Um, yeah. They, they, the exposition's not heavy. It's like they, no. they could, talk to you they could talk you through all of this right yeah and they don't at all there's like in the first few minutes there is i mean there's they're, they're explaining the premise the situation that these characters are in but overall the episode is not talky i mean mm-hmm. like it's got so many moments of of quiet that it, it's surprisingly quiet when you think of animation because i mean normally these characters are kind of by themselves, but in other animation, they'd be talking to themselves mm-hmm. because yeah. they'd want to fill that space with, with noise, with dialogue. They don't like in a lot of animation, they don't like to let things just, you know, visually explain themselves, which they should. Cause it's a visual medium, Yeah, but they just don't, they just, yeah. you know, it's, it's not that common that you just have like a character by themselves, not talking, not doing anything and you're just watching them. Yeah. And you're just seeing what they're up to by like, yeah. you know, what tool they're using or, 
there's a lot of that. Like, like, um, when, um, when sort of like the mysterious woman with the green eyes, like finds the wreckage of her robots mm-hmm. after Copernicus, like kind of like runs roughshod on all of them. And, you know, she just like comes up and she like picks up the head and like puts the head back on and takes a pipe out from like, like the back of one of the robots and starts like using it as a ratchet on a part. You <laughs> right, have like no yeah. idea like what she's doing other yeah. than like, it, it appears like she's kind of putting it back together. Right. Right. You know, but that sequence is like, I mean, it's not like a long sequence, but like it goes on for a couple of seconds where there's right. like, you know, you're just watching <laughs> this thing unfold and it's kind of cool. You know, it's one of the things he does really, really well. I mean, like you said, like, you know, animation doesn't do it a ton, but you know, I think that's one of the things he's kind of known for is to just like, you know, sort of let the stillness, you know, and the quiet sort of, uh, uh, like drive. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I can definitely remember it from Samurai Jack episodes, which are, again, it's a character by himself a lot, mm-hmm. but he doesn't like, he doesn't talk to himself because <laughs> no. he's, he's, you know, remarkably, he's known for being a, a man of few words character. Yeah. So you exactly. do get that in some other Gendy stuff, the like just kind of introspective animation, I would say. Yeah, from right off the bat, I I was trying to get a hook into what you know the, from the design. Like one thing I did like it was the was the the sketch stuff at the end over the credits. I thought was nice, but at the same time, with when they were showing the beginning sequence of the various characters and there were the various touchstones throughout the times that they were you know reborn or reincarnated. Um, off of Melinda, I sort of got a, a, a Raven from, <laughs> right. from, from Teen Titans sort of vibe. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I didn't, you know, that was cool. I liked that. I thought, uh, Copernicus reminded me of, um, uh, like there was, I guess this is like the mid nineties. Neil Gaiman had a, a comic from techno comics, a company that doesn't exist anymore. Right. Called mm. Mr. Hero, the pneumatic man. Okay. Okay. Which was fairly similar. Um, <laughs> You know, kind of a wind up kind of a, what's the character from the Oz books? Was TikTok. it TikTok? TikTok. TikTok. Kind of reminded me of that. Oz, yep. Yeah. That's what reminded... I was thinking for him. Yeah. But the, 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 if I remember, I've only read a couple issues of the Nomadic Man stuff for Neil Gaiman and it was kind of a, he was, if I remember correctly, he was a, he was a wind up kind of robot, but he was also a, uh, a pugilist, like a, like a, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like mixing, like, like early Victorian boxer type, right? you know, had right. kind of the handlebar mustache and all that stuff. Looked like Teddy Roosevelt with boxing gloves on. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> which, which very well probably happened, which, I'm sure. Yeah, which is fine. I have no problem with that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of Teddy, so, um, yeah, it was, it was, I liked the design sense for most of the characters. I thought um, each of them having their own little thing, you know helps you know tie together them universally as to mm. what they would be you know and it would make i'm sure it would make them over the centuries try to recognize each other a little better but not necessarily this time around i like that that you're going on sort of like these characters reminded me of this and that because like because copernicus for me was like r2d2 okay mm. I, I, I got a lot of r2d2 vibes it's like in one way we're like r2d2 like always had like like gadgets Sure. Yeah. Right. You, you know, like uh-huh. he was always like hacking the computer to stop the 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 garb the trash compactor. Mm-hmm. But then, like later on, like you you saw that, you know, you had like rocket booster. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. So I mean, and Copernicus is definitely like 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 that. Where like he, he turns into like a motorcycle at one point and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And but, a boat. Yes. And a boat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also, like in so far that like um. R2 also doesn't talk and it's just sort of like conveying emotion and, and sort of 
character and and uh, how it's feeling, what it's saying, sort of just like through beeps and boops and stuff. Right. Yeah. And Copernicus was a lot through like, you know, just just sort of like the sound of 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 like a steampunky robot moving, like Mm -hmm. conveyed sort of like the the um, emotion. Which I thought was kind of cool. So well, I liked I liked the fact that when he fought, like the, I thought the the and again it was one of the things. Well, almost like as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, that's really clever. And then I also had the moment of like, well, that's really it makes sense. Was the cannonball bit when he's fighting the robots? Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, of course that would be the you know the standard <laughs> probably <laughs> cannon. You know, uh, if he had cannons, that would be the thing that he would use. So I thought that was really you know equally clever and also like, duh. Well, yeah, what else would he have? You know, for the time, I thought that was fine. And then um, taking the snapshots, that was something else I wrote in my notes I thought was pretty cool. Was just mm-hmm. the, like, his head being, was it like his head being a camera, if I remember correctly? Yeah, like his eyes. His eyes yeah. were like camera lenses or something. Yeah, because you saw like the aperture thing right. shut, you know? Right. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of, which I thought was a cool thing as well. I like when, uh, when sort of the, the, um, the green-eyed woman is getting mm-hmm. the report from her robots. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's like it's a film projector. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was awesome. That was really nice. <laughs> it pops out of his back. Yeah. No, I like that Old quite black a bit. and white. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought that was really cool. Really well done. Again, it was one of those. Oh yeah, that makes you know, <laughs> makes pre you know pretty good sense. Again, that that would happen. Sure. Yeah, a lot of like you know a lot of both colliding of you know um, you know the idea of magic and science sort of like butting up against one another right. at the same time as you know. Um, you know, the wonders, quote unquote, of Victorian age, right? Yeah. All that stuff sort of colliding, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, the description sells it as Industrial Revolution London, but it's clearly steampunk London because mm-hmm. it's right. a lot of technologies that do not exist. So it's, right. a, it's a very fantasy setting already for a science versus magic fight to happen in. Mm-hmm. Well, when they see the sign for the Auto Man, I I thought that I th- I immediately was like automaton automaton yeah 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 thought that was a clever bit too but right and the idea is we you know again I have you know just for people listening I have not seen the third episode so when we get to that I will be hearing about it fresh and then and commenting <laughs> and speculating but um yeah I just thought it was interesting that you know as we learn more about the characters individually what they where they may or may have you know come from. I thought was kind of again. The, I thought a lot of like the, the visual imagery and stuff. I thought was really good, but I thought the idea of just trying to get to like you know basic origin stuff for people mm-hmm. yeah. was 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 well done as well. I was struck a lot by also how how like um, comparing it to other animated shows. I feel like this episode, this entire episode, would have been the first six to ten minutes of like a two part pilot, right? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) like all everything that this episode occupies would have just been done really, really quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and and I like sort of uh, um, that we're taking the long way on things and we're building, you know, very, very, very um, methodically to things Mm -hmm. in some way, because it is, you know, it's unless you've seen it, it, it's. I can't really quite describe sort of like the per- the perplexing feeling I had watching it where information's thrown at you in a way you're like, what does this mean? What does that mean? What does this mean? And like, <laughs> right. you don't get like really answers to anything. Not right away, no. You know? No. And I say that like not as a criticism at all. Like I, I'm, I'm saying that like just 
you know, like there's probably something that's going to come up more and more this episode that like, it feels all intentional to me that like, right. no, 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 we're going to take our time. Right. And, and you know, and you're confused, but we want you to be confused. I think it's almost done in a way that you, so you're almost in, in the same boat that they're in mm-hmm. that the, the, as the characters emerge and they have to sort of reconcile that, okay, they have, you know, relationships or they've met each other or they've been, you know, they've been through adventures or whatever together. There's also this thing of, well, you know, they're not on like solid ground or sure footing either. Right. And as a viewer, that's where you're going to be for a while, which I'm fine with. I don't, I don't need everything spoon fed. I don't need everything laid out for me. I'm, I'm more than willing to watch it and find out where it goes. Sure. Yeah. No, it's a good observation. Like memento. Mm, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Backwards puts you, puts you in how the character feels. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I like also that it's stripped down in a way that like, you know, we have, it appears that like our cast our main cast is going to be four characters. And mm-hmm. this one, like, very heavily just resolve, revolves around two of them. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, Melinda and, and Copernicus, who, you know, again, doesn't speak ever, you know? <laughs> and right, just, yeah. You know, his action is just to follow her around in this one and sort of, like, try and get her, like, up to speed on things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, parts, parts of me, you know, in watching it, I had a little... It seemed a little... Um, uh, Doom Patrol-ish, a little bit Fantastic Four thrown in. <laughs> okay. You know, I had a little of the moments of those, you know, in like in, the, in battle scenes, I was like, oh, okay, I can see where this, you know, sort of works. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, again, I'm not, I would, I wouldn't say, I'm not saying that it's totally one thing or the other, but I was like, oh, okay, this feels a little this, and this feels like, you know, you got a, a guy and a, a robot and a, and a, <laughs> and an energy lady, you know, I'm like, you know, the Doom Patrol, and then, like I said, then when they're just the, the four, the four imagery of the four of them together, to, you know, conjures up Fantastic Four. But, um, yeah, like I said, there was a lot of, like, touchstone stuff, but it didn't, it, it never felt to me like it was something where I was like, oh, I can completely see exactly where the through line was. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can see where someone gets all of their, their, uh, inspiration from, and this felt a lot more like it was, um, bits and pieces as opposed to just chunks of stuff. Right. Yeah. So I guess a little bit of background before we move on to the to episode two is that apparently this is a show that Gendy had been pitching like since he started his career. Mm. Like, you know, back back in like uh, in, in the um, the Hanna-Barbera days, you know, when they when, when they were when he was working on Dexter and like Powerpuff and stuff like that. Mm. Like this is a show he pitched around that time. And for whatever reason, just, you know, never got traction, never got picked up, you know, and other things. Uh, you know, he sold other things along the way, like, you know, doing the Star Wars stuff and doing Jack and doing, uh, you know, Symbiotic Titan. You did mention two stupid dogs from his Hanna-Barbera days. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't his show, but he did work on it. Right. Uh, it was, a, it cracked me up in those back yeah. in the day. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then it's just like, you know, and then of course, like this idea just gets sort of like refined a little bit over time because he was saying he's been doing a lot of press for this coming out. And, um, you know, one of the things I caught him that I thought was interesting was, was that, you know, um, things had come out in the intervening years that were sort of like similar or like kind of close to ideas he had. So it mm. caused him to sort of, um, revisit it and make little changes of, of things that he thought would now be kind of like cliche. Mm-hmm. because like i guess something and he wasn't specific but i guess like something you know pretty famous or pretty successful came out right that he was just like well people would just compare it to this thing now so he you know would uh 
he would sort of uh, uh, massage it a little bit right <laughs> over the years. Well, steampunk in general has certainly come and gone <laughs> yeah. in that amount of time <laughs> mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like, my first instinct is steampunk. Really? Like, mm-hmm. do we need <laughs> steampunk now? Right. Um, I'm, I'm still there. Like, I think you can do interesting stuff with it, but that's just like, that's just like a general, like, you know, first reaction I have when I see it is just cause like, like I remember the, it sounds like he had this idea before like the steampunk a day that I started in the early 2000s, like 2004 or five was uh, the anime steam boy, which I think mm-hmm. like floodgates opened after that. So, I mean, I feel like that might be one of the things he's talking about is, is that partly that mm-hmm. uh, partly, partly that he had this idea at the time that was this new thing that people weren't doing. And then it was everywhere. Right. So now he has to realize does is he really in love with that thing? Is that thing really <laughs> worth <laughs> worth doing now? And uh, he, I think he thinks it is. Oh, right. I'll hang around and see where it goes. Yeah. I guess one of the other notable thing, you know, like I guess we maybe we'll hit some some production tidbits uh, here and there when we can. But I think the thing that caught me in the credits when I'm watching the first episode is like, is he storyboarded this whole thing? Oh yeah, the whole ep- the whole episode was storyboarded okay. by him. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean, like that's uncommon for it to be done by one person, like a full a full thirty minute episode, right? Um, and then what's what's more is uh, you know, I saw him. He had done uh, like, like um, an interview with with Wired or something like that. I saw on on YouTube, and uh, he was running through a little bit like his process, and he actually like. He actually storyboarded it twice because like he does, he has like a notebook that he does like roughs on and he's like, I just do it this way. I just kind of think about the shot and telling the story this way. And I don't have to worry about like, like getting the look of the character kind of like accurate. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of like for me, like to work it out a bit. Mm -hmm. And then he does like the proper like storyboard, which is, you know, the actual like breakdown of shot for shot and sequence for sequence of, of the episode that ends up going to the overseas studios that start animating to that. You know, and I just thought, like, that's crazy. That's right. You know, I mean, typically an episode for listeners that may not be familiar with animation process, typically a full 30 minute episode will be done by three artists. Right. And they'll sort of break down like act one, act two, act three, usually. Right. Mm -hmm. One thing I thought was interesting was, well, it's not spelled out in the montage of the transformation. I did think it was interesting that, um, Melinda's transformation takes place in a church mm-hmm. at the time, which would have been like, you know, holy, you know, holy crap, she might be a demon or something. Right. And then the idea, just the idea of how much it can affect or transform a person's personality that on her wedding day, she rejects, you know, her, her, her wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, you know, that, that's how much of it, how deep it can go is the fact that they're tapping into something that's so, you know, no pun, eternal that they that they basically that's how much it 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 kind of writes over their personality. It also reminded me a little bit of um some stuff in in Angel, just about how quickly a character can change when they're basically imbued with something that's bigger than them. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was just something I, that, something I I thought about when watching. I was like, wow, this is like there's a reason why this was set during on her wedding day in a church, as opposed to like right, you know right. she's at school or whatever. There's a bigger you know there's a bigger reason. I, that was the thing that I took away from it was that it was something that. You know, really wanted to hit that 
no, they're kind of no longer the person they were. But of course, yeah. that's not the case with her. No, that's a good observation. You know, also like the 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 playing against like like white against black too mm-hmm. is something that Gendy does a lot of too. Like, I mean, Samurai Jack was kind of like you know, I mean, look at Aku's like an all black, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, character with very very little color except like his eye, the fire eyes and stuff like that. And right. Jack is basically like he's draped in a white, you know, kimono the whole time. Sure. Um, and the the other know. characters in the season five of Samurai Jack, the women, yeah, uh, with mm-hmm. Aku, like it's definitely reminiscent melinda's definitely reminiscent of that like the mm-hmm. the kind of flowing black energy all the time yeah that's a good point yeah. i didn't think about that clifton you're right yeah. and there's one there's an episode of samurai jack versus the ninja that's just like i mean it, like it's quite literally like white versus black like it's all mm-hmm. you know the the stylized just like the like almost like spy versus spy mm-hmm. sequence in that right and know? then the other the other thing i had about the first episode was was the parasol lady that's what i kept calling her in my head was was the parasol lady trying to prevent what was going on, or was she trying to hijack what was going on? The green-eyed lady? Yeah. Okay. Like, trying to use it for, for her own... Again, like, I haven't seen episode three, so I don't know. Okay. But mm. but, <laughs> but you can tell me. But anyway, that was my other... The only other observation I had was that, so... All right, so Awakening Part 2, this is episode two, picks up where episode one le- leaves off. Uh, Melinda and Copernicus land on the shore of a boarding school that's in ruins, uh, the site feels kind of familiar to Melinda, and inside there's a gang of young boys who were left behind when the school was shut down, and they've kind of created like a gang, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and the boys threaten Melinda and Copernicus. Copernicus transforms the youngest boy, Alfie, into Sang, mm-hmm. and then Alfie gets uh, carried off to the magic realm where he meets Sang's soul, where he's told that, this, that their souls are entwined forever and that the future has been altered. Alfie, now Sang, joins Melinda and Copernicus in fighting off the gang. Together, the three fly to London where they encounter a street magician named Dimitri, who then is spell transformed into the third warrior, Edred. Uh, And then while there, a giant kind of zombie elephant uh, starts to attack (laughs) London, sent by the mysterious woman with the green eyes, the parasol lady, Frank, Mm -hmm. that you were talking about. Right. Uh, The warriors work together to fight off the elephant, Winston, who is a... Melinda's fiance uh, has tracked Emma Melinda down, but ends up being hurt or killed during the battle at the very end. Uh, and the episode ends with the elephant being defeated and Melinda flying off alone with the other warriors following after. Her. So the thing that got me here is I think it's so cool that this show really like I'm seeing th- things that Gendy developed throughout his career in other shows. And little nods and little things, because like the elephant reminded me so much of a of a um, sequence in Primal, <laughs> mm. where there's like a sickly dinosaur that's coming after them that they're fighting like a plagued dinosaur, and and you know the, the just visually the elephant kind of reminded because there's like bits there's like patches of like skin missing where you're seeing like bone and stuff like that and just like visually they just looked very similar and I thought that it was kind of cool, um, but what'd you guys think? I liked the moodiness setting overall. It's a very gloomy episode <clears throat> and where they are in the real world. And then you get the flashbacks that are more colorful, but like, uh, and there's the soccer flashback, which I thought was funny. I did yeah. enjoy the, the soccer animation. It's definitely over the top. There's a lot of this style that I can't quite place. Cause it doesn't look like Gendy's normal, no. like character design styles. Mm-hmm. 
or animation. And I feel like he's referencing something and I should be able to tell what it is, but I, I just haven't been able to place it yet. Okay. Something old, something old for sure. But yeah, just some of the character designs, I haven't been able to place what his references are drawing from, but mm-hmm. there's something there. I don't know if it's like Astro Boy. I don't know if it's Tezuka. There's, there's something there in the style. But like the school scene, I like it not. It's just like gloomy and green and everything. And, and, and that way when Alfie gets the, you know, the awakening uh, himself to become Sang and goes to the cosmic world, you just get these like juxtapositions. Like you get these contrasts between like this gloomy, like ruined gray green school they're in and like the rainbow oranges and purples in this cosmic realm Mm -hmm. that his mind is in and his body's in the present. And then you just keep getting that like compare and contrast as we're seeing which world he's in. Are we following his body in the physical world? Are we following his mind in the cosmic world? And I thought it was a really nice, like, you know, drastic difference, uh, which I liked. Uh, the little gang I thought was funny because the, the gang of the kids is like the droogs from Clockwork Orange. <laughs> and right. Mick, the leader of their gang, I think is straight up Alex. I think is straight up McDowell in, uh, in Clockwork <laughs> Orange. He's just missing the, the white suit, like the jumpsuit. But they all could have been having him. I, 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 it's, I, I, did, I went a different way. I was like, I'm always like when it's, when it's, when it's a British kid, when Mick, I'm like, is it Mick Jagger? Right. Yeah, or, or Mick Jones from Clash. Yeah. Like yeah. There's, there's different mix. Yeah. But that was the one I was like, oh, maybe, maybe that's what they're going for. But um, yeah, I like, I like the little gang. I, I immediately was saying, I mean, obviously um, when he's first introduced the first episode, I didn't quite get the vibe of this, but with, in the second one, um, with the with the eyes, I, it seemed very. I kept getting the very much the vibe in my head of of sight beyond sight. <laughs> <laughs> Lion-O. you have Lion-O. right? That was a, that was what I kept you know I kept having was sight beyond sight. You know, seeing seeing possible um, possible futures or possible paths for them. Um, I like the kind of you know I always like the kind of uh, equally wise, equally not all there characters. I always like mm-hmm. those. Um, so yeah. I kind of, I thought that's always, always fun with saying, I thought that was a good bit. It answers the question why he, f- he's like upside down in the mm-hmm. promotional art that came out. We're like, why is that kid upside right. down? All right. right. Like, and then it's just, <laughs> it's just kind of cool. Like, I like how quick he takes to Sang's powers, but at the same time, he's like, can't control it slashes childlike with it you know what i mean it's right. sort of like oh, yeah. in awe of it all like i i, mm-hmm. I really dug that there's definitely a bit of you know a bit of streetwise meets cosmic wise mm-hmm. which i liked also i thought that was a nice contrast the idea of you know just aware of how things work you know on a basic level but at the same time about to get about to be given a whole lot of <laughs> you know a crash course in in what the you know how the, everything works yeah right which I thought was again kind of a cool bit, and the idea of being just an abandoned thing in the universe, just being like you're like you know Ben, he's so little, he's such a small kid. Just the idea of again of versus playing it off the idea of you know you're gonna I'm gonna fill your your tiny head with the vastness of everything, which yeah. I thought was a really really cool bit as well. So. I like how he fights too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I liked that it was sort of he's everywhere at once. Mm-hmm while not being aggressive it's like kind of defensive right but he's also like 
completely like out out maneuvering them and outsmarting them in every way. Like you know, like my mind, it was it was the way that I kind of always imagined um, if they ever you know a live action dove like Don Hall mm-hmm. would have been, which would have been much more like no, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to throw a punch, but I'm going to do all these other things. That's going to okay. You, you know. went with you went with Dove, okay? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's where I went with it. It was a Spike Spiegel fight. It was a Spike Spiegel fight from Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> okay, I went. I went with. Uh, it's how I would imagine. You remember in Batman Beyond for with the Future Justice League mm-hmm. and the Green Lantern? There is like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Also, like 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 uh, that's how I imagine like like the Green Lantern in that guy's hands would be like. Gotcha. Just sort of be like it, like it wouldn't wield itself in the way that Hal or John Stewart did. Like it would, it would be used in sort of like this, you know, exact way. <laughs> right. You a know? lot more, a lot more Zen. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. That's yeah. What I, yeah. I could see that. Sure. But yeah, Clifton. So kind of going off of the character design aspect. That you, I mean, I'm maybe worth pointing out over here that he's he's using, as far as I know, um, a new character designer. For these shows. Um, so, uh, Steven Stefano is the character designer on these. Um, I know him from Cuphead, from the mm. Cuphead show. He's like, he's head designer on that. Um, so this is like the first time like Gendy's had him as like lead designer. Typically, it's been Paul Rudish. Who's been doing all of all of the lead character designs and all of the other in the previous shows that he's been working on. So I'm curious if it's also like just like reference that that you haven't been able to pick, uh, you know, um, focus on just yet. But also like how much of it is also just somebody else, maybe maybe having a different draftsman type, you know, draftsmanship type. He's definitely drawn to old timey, to old timey influences that I can tell. I don't yeah. know why I got I got a little I got you were saying Astro Boy right, right Clifton right. I got a little Betty Boop out of it oh, for yeah, some no, reason like Melinda's eyes are definitely <laughs> Betty Boop eyes yeah that was one that I was kept taking away from was like Betty Boop it was like okay yeah and I guess the other like real change as well is um Frank you may not know this guy's name uh Clifton you you do for sure uh, no Scott Wills on this show. Okay, for backgrounds. Yeah, no Scott. So typically, Scott Wills has been the art director for every every one of Gendy's projects. Mm. Um, you know, and this is the first time. It, it may just be that he he has two shows going at once. You know, because Primal, uh, you know, was finished up not too too terribly long ago. You know, compared to when this one started. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may have been. It may have been that he had to sort of like stagger the crew a little bit. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I did notice. I noticed that Scott Wills was not on. <laughs> you right. know, one of the things I was really jazzed about in anticipation for this show is, is like the Victorian setting. And I was really, really excited to see like Scott Wills' take on, on like, you know, 19th century London. Mm-hmm. You know, and I did note like I mean the show's beautiful. I mean, don't get me wrong; like I love the backgrounds and everything. But like, but I, I, I'm all I'm saying is I could tell it wasn't his. Mm-hmm. You know, do you know who is art director on it? It is so it is somebody he's worked with before. It's uh, Richard Daskus. I think mm-hmm. I'm saying that name right. So he was crew on Samurai Jack and and um, I believe Titan uh as well so you know it is a guy who has a history with gendy but this is his first time i think as the actual like like head background painter art director right guy um 
Yeah. So in all the interviews I saw of Gendy too, like it didn't come up uh, as to like, like why, why Scott's not doing it, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, so what else did you guys think about episode two? I just have in my notes, the quote about the, the future has been altered, but there's still time. Yeah. And what that means. Yeah. I want to know. So this is, this is time is kind of a a central thing Mm -hmm. theme in the show that we know nothing about yet. Right. You know, because like going back to the first one, like why is Copernicus in a in a grave? Mm-hmm. And for how long? Right. And no sign of Merlin in this episode anywhere. Right. Right. Also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so there are things happening. I'm I'm very curious. Yeah, like, like what does that mean? It makes me go like the future has been altered. Like, are we gonna see other like some of those warriors from the the montage in the first episode, like are we going to get tangent episodes of some of these characters? Possibly. Possibly. Characters yeah. further out in the future. Who knows? You know? Right. No, I, cause I had a thought of, you know, the future's been altered. Okay. So maybe there's a timeline change, but there's still time to change it. Is that what that means? Or does it mean like we can have, you know, again, like you said, the thing with Copernicus being the ground, I was kind of confused about that as well. What that, why that was a thing. If that was, cause you would think you could have, you know, a, a pneumatic man <laughs> just mm-hmm. be, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to have him in the ground unless that was why I was confused with the with the parasol lady in the first one, whether it was a th- thing where if if you if you were able to, could you, you know, could she hijack what was going on and use it for her own purposes? Just because the fact that there was, um, you know, there, there was it, it seemed to be a situation where she was trying to get to Copernicus, who was buried in the ground. But, you know, again, we don't know why or the how or, you know, who all would know that he was there in the first place. So, right. I mean, the thing in the story about this episode is that in the first episode, we had seen one awakening uh, mm. Emma into Melinda and it didn't go well. Um, right. She doesn't know who she is. Uh, she doesn't know what's happening. Is she one or the other? And then in this episode, we get two awakenings in, in saying in Edred and they both go fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. like they completely like they're now they're the old ones are, are, are back. And my question is why not her? Mm-hmm. Because it, it was kind of when like, I thought they were all going to go like she did yeah. since that's the only thing we had seen in the first episode. And it's what the first episode was all about. I thought like, oh yeah, like all of them are going to be having some issues, but the other two don't. So why? That's I think a mystery that, Mm. uh, I mean, I think there is an answer to it. I just think we haven't gotten it yet, but uh, it is a question that's certainly out there that it puts out there in the show. Right. I guess the other thing that we haven't touched upon is Winston yet, her fiance, Mm -hmm. which, (laughs) which man, I mean, like I'll tell you what, I mean, for, for a guy who doesn't have a lot of lines, and a guy mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of screen time, like, like I, you have the soccer flashback, right? Yeah, I mean, but man, I really buy like how much he loves Emma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he does like a really really good time, like like a really really good job getting that point across in the first two episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, again, I I think that's I think that's you know that's uh the other the other thing that I got from um from Melinda and from uh, what's the elf's name. Edred. Edred was we're you know in some ways we're getting a a, a Carter Hall Shiaera mm-hmm. type situation where through every reincarnation prior everything was fine and they were together and they were in love or whatever and then this for whatever reason in this time around um no one mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the other ones going to be like no I I don't you're not I don't I'm not who I'm you know I'm not Shiaera 
because it happens in the books in JSA. There's a point where the latest incarnation of, of Shire is just like, no, we're not, you know, we're not together. We can, we're yeah. not automatically together just because this is how it's been in the past. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting to, you know, and again, another one of those, oh yeah, this feels, it feels somewhat familiar, you know, to something I've seen before. But again, I don't know for sure if that's how that plays out because I haven't seen the next episode, but that was the right. vibe that I got was that. No, but I mean, you're almost more brokenhearted for him because it's like his whole life is, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> is uprooted by this thing, you know what I mean? And, and, right. Um, and like I said, like, I just think, I think, I think it's so effective and, and, you know, I mean, worth pointing out, I think, too, like a testament to to his performance. Uh, but worth pointing out that this show does not have a whole lot of recognizable names in the voice cast. Yeah, I, I looked at that. I looked at that, too. I was like, I don't think I know any of these people. Yeah, I recognize I recognize one, which mm-hmm. is Gray Delisle, who's who's, uh, a, you know, parasol lady. <laughs> OK, <laughs> who, who, we're, <laughs> who we're calling that. You know, right. and she's worked with Gandhi a lot. I mean, but she she's in everything. I mean, you know, sure. she's she's Daphne in Scooby Doo now. You know, like right. <laughs> she's been in a mil- yeah. She's been she's yeah. been great. In, she's been great in a million things. Yeah, so exactly. I should say she's Gray Griffin in this one. Ah, oh, okay. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, right. That's right. Her name formerly formerly Gray Lyle, currently Gray Griffin. Yeah, and, gotcha. But yeah, I mean, other than her, you know, Brian George was the only other one that he was a character number three. In episode three, and he was one that that you know I I recognized uh, from the sound of his voice because you know he's uh, he was from Seinfeld, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, um, I I think that that's cool too. I mean, not throwing on any any shade at like the the regulars, uh, voice actors that we get in a lot of things, but it is kind of cool, uh, getting a different take on things, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of British accents too, so you know, I mean, it's <laughs> right. to be it's to be understood, you know. <laughs> right, they actually got British people for it. Yeah. All right, we will go to episode three. But first, if you like the show, you can check out all of our episodes on LetMeKnowHowItIs.com or wherever you get your podcast. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And finally, if you want to suggest a topic, let us know in the comments. Twitter at LMKHII or email at info at let me know how it is dot com. All right. So episode three. So that one is titled A Fateful Encounter. And mm. it opens with the same robotic drones from episode one attacking and taking control of a cargo ship carrying Greek artifacts headed for a British museum. Mm. Meanwhile, a Scotland Yard Police investigator is commenting on the elephant attack from episode two, and uh, he doesn't believe that it's true magic. He only he thinks it's the work of parlor tricks. Uh, So he's announced a crackdown on spiritualists in the city. And this includes he thinks our heroes who are the subject of like many, many wanted posters all over the city. Uh, Melinda, meanwhile, returns to her home and it triggers memories of her life as Emma. And she finds out Winston is still alive, but he's in the hospital. And so she puts on a blonde wig and one of her dresses and she goes to visit Winston. But a nurse recognizes her as Melinda and notifies a nearby police officer. Uh, and they try to arrest her, but Melinda uses her powers to get away and ends up wrecking the ward in the hospital, like in the process. So Sang in the magic realm comes across a cat with nine tails who he tries to interact with, but he notices a nearby explosion and believes it's related to Melinda. Uh, so back on Earth, he notifies Edred and Copernicus and they go after her. Meanwhile, Melinda meets Darvish, an Indian spiritualist, and he claims he can rid her 
of whatever spirit is controlling her. So hmm. she offers him her engagement ring as payment. And inside his parlor, we see he's just a charlatan. And uh. while he's doing his phony spirit, spiritual shtick, Melinda actually does go into a trance where Emma's soul meets Melinda's soul. And Melinda has no idea how Abel is able to fight her off, but instructs Emma that she needs to give in for like the greater good. Hmm. And Emma instead just wants her life back and doesn't understand why Melinda can't possess somebody else. Uh, <laughs> then the other warriors find her. And then that's when the Greek warriors from the cargo ship attack and the warriors fight them off. And uh, after the fight, Sang spots the green eyed woman from the previous episodes and then the credits roll. And that's episode uh, three. Okay. So, Clifton, what did you notice for this one? You misspoke on one thing. It was a nine tailed fox. Oh. Not a cat. Ah, okay. Which is important mm. because the nine-tailed fox is a, a famous right. motif throughout uh, Chinese mythology and Eastern Asian mythology and folklore. It's usually a trickster spirit yeah, of sorts in, in those cultures, in their folklores. Okay, mm. right. So that Good is... Catch. Thank you. So I think that is some, some foreshadowing there and telling right. us something important about, about something they're facing, about something adversarial that they're facing, uh, that we'll find out more because we don't find out what the, what the deal is with the nine tailed Fox, other than it just keeps showing up and disappearing in that spirit world while saying keeps looking for it and having right. to deal with other stuff that's going on in the episode. Hmm. So I did think that was interesting. Did you get a sense? that this episode kind of how am i how am i how am i putting it that like sort of the magical realm is sort of like over top the actual earth realm where sort of like like that explosion that he sees that he thinks is melinda it's like it appears at the same spot geographically on earth as it does <laughs> right. It, right like he like he looks right. over to like where 12th street would be and there's an explosion there yeah, right yeah. you know what i mean does that make sense right it's like the upside down yeah exactly exactly <laughs> right, so it's right. like so so like he's able to look for her there like he yeah, goes yeah. into the into the magical realm and kind of look for her, like where she is on earth there mm-hmm. right yeah yeah, I mean, that's for sure how it works, because you see her her energy signature in the cosmic realm, and then he comes back and says, I found her, mm-hmm. and then runs into a wall, because there's, in the real world, there's a wall between <laughs> between him and, and where she, the direction she's in. So, yeah, I think that is, I think that's very much at play uh, yeah. in there. So that's a new nugget of information, because I, I did not really quite get that sense in the first two episodes. Right, you thought they were just like out in space, some other, yeah. some other random space somewhere, not like an astral plane. Exactly. Right. I did like the like how personal this one was mm-hmm. to the story of of Emma and Melinda, because like I said, that her awakening did not go as well as the others, <laughs> and that we actually see like the straight up conflict when the the quack medium actually does end up <laughs> like <laughs> like somehow manifesting herself. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's not real, like he's 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 not a real mystic, but somehow, like the Melinda does come out of Emma, and you end up with the two of them kind of split up, conversing for a bit. I thought it was a very nice scene, but I just overall like that the personal aspect where we're really getting to know Melinda or Emma, I should say, actually a little more than Melinda at this point because we're still in seeing what her life was like before 
mm-hmm. before the awakening messed everything up at her wedding for her. And yeah, it is interesting still that like we're getting all that with her, but the others, nope, like they're it's Edred's back and Sang's back and everything's fine. Yeah, they're right. not they're not having that conflict between their hosts and their spirits. Mm-hmm. Which going back to the description for the show, like I had not read the description beforehand and, and in the description that I read up back at the top of the show that talks about, it points out specifically that they're now in the bodies of teenagers instead of adults. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that, like they normally are. And I didn't quite catch that for one. I was like, cause Emma's getting married. I didn't realize she was a teenager. Alfie clearly is a teenager, like right. a younger teenager. Her, I would have placed more adult, but then I was like, oh yeah, like, I guess in in Victoria, if you weren't married by like 17, you were an old maid back then. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, So that makes sense there. But yeah, it's just not, I didn't think of them as teenagers. Not certainly not like the symbiotic Titan characters who are clearly teenagers. No, I didn't either. I'm with you too. Even Alfie, I thought like Alfie read more, you know, like 11 to me or younger, you know, like a nine year old even. Yeah. Um, but in that description that they that they make such a point in that series description to say you know that they're in teenagers instead of hosts i was like is that the conflict because because we don't get that yet in the first episodes because they do they are taking everything slow yeah uh methodically um but i was like is that is that part of it that like these just weren't like fully baked like emma wasn't fully baked to be a host yet mm-hmm. uh, well, for some reason it might also be just the fact that i don't, I don't know I mean, we don't know enough about the characters just yet to say what the conflict would be, but obviously right off the bat, you know, the fact that um, two of them have, you know, a long-standing relationship that's now been, you know, thrown off by the fact that she was (laughs) about to be married to somebody else, Mm -hmm. you know, I think you get a lot more mileage out of that hook than you do, you know, the other ones. Right. I'm guessing, you know, yeah. again, we, we don't know, but again, that doesn't mean we won't have conflict or they won't be conflicted later on. It was something with their characters. Again, we don't know what Alfie's background was before he was put in the orphanage. Right. <laughs> right. So, or he was hanging out with the artful Dodger. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever he was right. up to. Right. Yeah. We're not sure as of yet what that might all mean. So there could be, it just might, it might just be that this was the most compelling piece to get it running. And then once right. you get it running, we'll switch, we'll switch gears and see that. Oh yeah, there's more to this. It's also like a very confusing concept to put succinctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I realized like, like I thought about like, you know, like how am I going to pitch the show to my wife? You know, she's like, what's <laughs> right. it about? Like, it's like, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. It's a lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot there for sure. Um, I agree. I don't, I don't know that that press release like did it, did it justice. And I, um, I guess of the three of us, like, like, you know, I had read the press release and I knew sort of what the, the slug lines to this, to the show were going to be. Right. And, you know, since this was announced in 2020, it was, it was like, huh, what's this going to like, <laughs> what's the show about? <laughs> okay. Right. Like, you know, and I'm in, I'm in because it's Gendy and I'll, you know, uh, I watch just about everything he does. But, uh, yeah, like it was a head scratcher for sure. Mm-hmm. Just hearing it that way and, and watching it, I had, I was kind of struck a little bit like, like, man, it's been like three episodes and really still like, they're still clearly like taking the time developing a lot of stuff and not, and not in a, not in a bad way right. at all. But, but it, it did, it did give me pause to think about like, 
what this conversation is going to be like. Right. Because so much of it is is things developing and really um and they just they and, and they still continue don't to not hit you over the head with stuff at all. Like everything's just sort of like hinted at everything, you know, everything's conveyed either visually or, or uh, through the repetition or, or just kind of like hinted at where like, I like, this is my take. This is my read on what's happening. Sort of like the cosmic realm and the earth realm thing, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, and, and it's shown for sure to back that up, but it's not explicitly said anywhere. Like nobody, nobody explains it that way. Right. Which I feel like other shows would do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they would worry that you're not following along. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, I mean, it did become a point, like when I was looking up stuff for the show and I'm trying to find out who the voice actors are and they're like, ancient Egypt saying is this guy and mm-hmm. other saying is this guy. I'm like, which one am I looking for? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's kind of like that with every character, like this Melinda's voiced by this, but this Melinda's that and this Edrid is this guy, unless it's, unless it's this Edrid and then it's this other guy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of indicative of the, of, of how much, like how hard it was to kind of like sum up what this show is. Yeah. Right. Like I was having to do work to find out who's even voicing the characters because there's <laughs> different versions of the characters and at different points in time. Yeah. I'm just thinking of Gandhi trying to sell it as a pitch. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just the idea of trying to explain, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so throughout time, <laughs> but they're not the same. Wait. Start again. <laughs> so yeah, that's why that's why it's taking him right twenty five years. It'll make sense uh, to pitch it since his days on two stupid dogs. Apparently, right. I will say also. I mean, so far the action has been like it's only been like one scene in every mm-hmm. episode, right? Whereas I think in some cases we come to think of him on Jack and Primal and everything of like you know wall to wall action a lot of times, you know, right? Uh, like these these big you know, long fights and everything. And these fights are typically, you know, just like the last couple of minutes of the, of the episodes. And that's it. For like the big fights. Yeah. yeah. For the big fights. Cause we got like the smaller skirmish with saying and the kids mm-hmm. and the, the orphans in the, in the second episode before getting the elephant zombie fight at the end. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the inspector? He's reoccurring. Think he's coming back. Probably. Yeah. You, you need that character. I, I feel like, say, yeah, you I feel like that. once that character's there, he's going to be around. The magic isn't real character. I haven't <laughs> even seen him, Zach, and I was like, that that's a character that's going to stick around. That character right. has legs. Right. Just, yeah. just from the description of like, oh, no, it's not real. It's all Charlotte yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah I, immediately, I was like, oh, for sure, we'll see that character again. <laughs> I do think it's kind of cool that um, the bad guy appears to be a woman here. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, for, for all, like, you know, the the Megatron, the Skeletor of this show, mm-hmm. you know, is, is a woman. And I think that that's kind of cool. Cause again, like you don't see that often, like, you know, you see Baroness and everything, but they're typically like side characters. But did she, I, that was the thing I had a question about was, you know, I mean, like I said, parasol lady, mm-hmm. but does she, did she have an animal profile? That was something I thought I saw in one of the, like one quick, like look, and I didn't go back to look at it was that, that when she turned in profile, she had it along, like almost like an elongated snout. Did anyone else mm-hmm. see that? I could be I could be hallucinating. I don't know if that's it or not. But I, <laughs> right, right. that was the other thing I thought I saw quickly, and then I like I said I just didn't revisit because I was right, watching right. the episode in, in yeah. a hurry. So whether we're dealing with some kind of you know um, creature, not you know something that's not that passes itself off as human, but clearly right. is from the magic realm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think in some of the 
I think there's a reveal that's already kind of made its way in some of the promos too. Oh, I haven't. It's again, I've, yeah. I've, again, it was one of those things where as soon as I knew we were going to review it, and just from the fact that I don't, I'm trying not to ruin stuff. I didn't look at anything for mm-hmm. it, so, so yeah, I have no idea. But I do think, I mean, so again, I mean, like with her, I mean, not a whole lot to go on other than a visual, green eyes, mm-hmm. silhouette, know, silhouette, right. Um, you know, green uh, appears to be the color of evil in this in this show, or magic, right? Or magic, mm-hmm. right? Correct. Um, which I I, I I I keep thinking back to like when he was you know on like the Samurai Jack special feature when he was pitching Jack and he was like, it's white versus black on red, mm-hmm. you know. And I just like I, I really admire and love the way how he like kind of thinks in color, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just I can't wait to see where that's gonna go. You know, the idea of green, whatever it means. <laughs> right. You know, because he's sure not to use it in any other spot. You know, like, I mean, it's 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 intentional. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not to be confused with it in, in other places. That's for sure. Right. Right. Anything else, Clifton? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things towards the end of episode really stuck out to me. I will uh, I'll talk about one first because we do get a lot of this episode or not a lot, but some of this episode is that debate between melinda and and emma or between emma and melinda where emma's like you're not like i'm not you like i'm me and melinda's you know the energy that's supposed to happen that's supposed to be reincarnated in emma and to you get to that like the threat that's about to face at the end which is those the reanimated like greek soldiers Hmm. (laughs) that they've turned into an army that's now about to attack london and there's a moment where like Emma sees it and realizes like, Oh, like I can't do anything about this without, without the Melinda power. And says like, she says, I hate you <laughs> to, I guess, Melinda, but it's her like accepting being like, okay, like I have to let you back in to mm. save the day is how right. I took it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is it, was that a correct read on that scene? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Which I really liked that moment. I liked like her resignation, but like her, like her angry resignation where she's like, like, I have to do this, but I'm not happy about it, but it's the right thing to do. So like, I'll let you back in Melinda. Uh, It was a really powerful little, little moment. And then on the lighter side, what was the bit about the sword in those statues? (laughs) (laughs) Zach, did you? Yeah. Did you? So, if my understanding is right, they implied that all of those statues were anatomically correct. Yeah. Mm. So, Edry magically used his sword to censor them all. Yeah. <laughs> yep. To basically what? cut off the parts that might offend sensibilities of the time. So then you just had all these greek statues with like all these kendall broken off like yeah. off bits <laughs> yeah. yeah oh wow that's how huh. i took that yeah he does like an incantation to a sword and the mm. sword kind of flies off and just like fing, 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 you know <laughs> right while he's blocking emma's view for yeah, what's yeah. happening yeah huh. okay yeah but it did but it made me go like why do you have to fight anything then right just you send the just sword. them all up <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Apparently hmm. those parts were easier to cut off than the rest of. <laughs> Weird. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Okay. 
If you do go to Greek museums, though, it is like that a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of them broken off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, like overall, the episode, I really like that it was just like the emotional struggle of of Emma to accept Melinda, and then by the end realize that like whatever's happening, she doesn't know what's happening. Yeah, but whatever the, whatever this all is, like she does need Melinda. She does need to accept that part to to get through whatever's going on in this crazy world. The hmm. first episode, it's like they're blending a little bit more. Like the first episode, it was so stark as to like who like who was in the driver's seat right she was either like i'm not emma and would you know and fly off or like or would clearly would have like moments of like her memory coming back to her and being conflicted and now it's like it's it's a lot more like she can kind of traverse it better it looks like you know what i mean Mm. where it's it's triggered by by being at the old home but then like you said like you know she like it, it it reads like that's her using the powers and not the Melinda soul almost. Right? right. You know, so we'll see where it goes. We'll yeah. see where it goes. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I want to check it out. Uh, some more. I know that we got, uh, um, probably, I think like another six episodes. Hmm. Okay. To go. Right. I think they, I think they picked it up for 10. I'm not quite sure exactly. Um, but you know, if you look it up, you have 10, you can, you can find the titles pretty easily, which I, I try not to do that, but, you know, in looking for information for this, I trip over that, you know, stuff while putting the notes together. So, you know, that may just be 10 episodes in the first batch. You know, we don't know. It's the Wild West out there now mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as streaming and stuff. Right. You know, Enjoy it while it's here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I did check. I was doing a refresher on, on the pilot on the um, on Adult Swim, though, but like that view uh, that video on YouTube has been watched like 2 million times oh, wow. in 10 days. I'm like, well, that's a good sign. Like, <laughs> so hopefully it's doing well. Right. Yeah. So any final thoughts before we go? No, I, I want to check out the third episode. Just like I said, just things got away from me. <laughs> you get a chance to check it out, but I do plan to. So, and like we said, so if you, if you listeners want to check it out, so it airs on adult swim Thursdays at midnight, Friday morning. That always confuses me, so I like to <laughs> to say midnight going which way. Uh, and then it's also next day streaming on HBO Max or Max. Um, so, all right. So, Unicorn Warriors Eternal. Uh, as always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on letmenowhowitis.com. Uh, there you can check out all of our past episodes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>